There we go. A reading from the Revelation to John. I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our Lord who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to be to our Lord forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Oh, second ribbon. I'm very I'm sorry. There we go. Yeah, so our psalm appointed for two. We got a psalmist? I'm sorry. All right. I want to step on anyone's toe. Psalm 34. Oh, 
reading from the first letter of John. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The word of the Lord. Gospel reading is from Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach. You unfollow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes strong. They love to have their place of honor at the banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> I would love a version of the Beatitudes where Jesus said, Blessed are those who do what is easy for their lives will be comfortable. That sounds pretty good, right? Blessed are those who follow the path of least resistance, because everyone else will be happy to go with the flow too. Blessed are those who get by with doing just the minimum, for they will not have to labor. Easy sounds pretty good most of the time. It's, it's easier. And we should give ourselves grace about that. That is okay. Because the simple act of being a human being feels hard enough on its own without also having to add in all of these other ethical considerations like taking care of other people. 
We have bodies that need to be maintained with food, sleep, and regular activity, not to mention dealing with any medical conditions that we have. We have people that we are responsible for caring for, children, family members, friends who may need our support. We have to keep ourselves housed, arrange ways to get from where we are to where we need to go, and a whole bunch of other things that we usually need money for. So we also have to figure out a way to keep up with finances. Our lives are complicated. If life was a video game, I would say that most of us are probably playing with the difficulty rating set a little bit too high. <laughs> so yeah, at the end of the day, of course it feels like what we really want Jesus to say is, go ahead, sit on the couch, watch some Netflix, don't worry about anything else. Yeah, right? That sounds, Jesus gets to the top of the mountain and says, all right, guys, I have a big screen set up here. Let's just chill out for a bit. Instead, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount starts off with a list of blessings for people who are doing things that are challenging. On All Saints Day, when we come together to remember those who have gone before us, we remember that it is hard to mourn and to continue to care for those who we have lost. It's also hard to be meek when everything in us wants to hit back as hard as we've been hit ourselves. It's hard to hunger and thirst for righteousness when you know that you're probably going to go unsatisfied. It is hard to be merciful and a peacemaker in a world full of violence, particularly when most of that violence is done in our names but without us needing to directly be involved in any way, shape, or form. Our willingness to participate in that violence is assumed, and we have to deliberately choose not to be a part of it. And it is hard to be persecuted. It is hard to suffer when you know that the only thing you've done wrong was being willing to do the right thing. Every single one of these blessings feels like it adds an obligation that on top of everything else might seem impossible. And I think the biggest challenge is that it's hard to keep caring. It's hard to keep doing these things. It's hard to persevere when it seems like nothing changes. When it seems like everything is difficult and it stays difficult and that we are trapped in systems that are meant to keep things exactly the way that they are. Why keep making that choice day in and day out to make things more difficult when it feels like there's no result? If Jesus were with us today, I don't think he'd add any of those blessings I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon. But he might say, blessed are those who don't stop when it seems like nothing is getting better. Or blessed are those who still care, even when it seems like it doesn't matter. So Jesus is asking us to do something hard. And his promise of rewards in the future does not seem particularly motivating. Especially when we're dealing with the challenges in this very moment, right? There's a lot of they will statements in the Beatitudes, meaning we get something later 
but there's not a whole lot of, here's why it gets better right now. As people, we inherently have something called time preference. We value things that we have now more than we value things that we will have in the future. Getting a cookie today is better than getting a cookie tomorrow. Getting a cookie today might be better than getting two cookies tomorrow. It makes sense. When we get the cookie now, we get to experience the enjoyment and pleasure immediately. We don't have to worry about the uncertainty that comes in the future. And all of our senses are geared towards the present, towards experiencing what we feel around us right now. So we have to train ourselves to do difficult things now that will give us benefits later on. It has to be programmed into our brain through repeated practice and discipline. And even when we do that, it still largely depends on our circumstances. It is easier to hold off on eating that cookie if you've already had a nice full lunch. It's a lot harder to say no to food right now when you are experiencing hunger pangs. So the question is, we've been asked to do something hard, and we've been given promises that our brains are wired to not be motivated by. How are we going to do this? How do we resist every urge that we have in ourselves that says, I don't want to do this, I want to go enjoy myself now? How do we keep caring when it seems like everything around us is designed to make us feel apathetic. Everything around us wants us to stop caring. How do we not sink into the couch and decide, nah, this is not for me? I can't do that on my own. And I think that's true for every single one of us. If we are left to our own devices, not a single one of us will be able to pull this off on our own. Except maybe Barbara. <laughs> so here's the secret. Here's the one thing I found that is helpful. Don't. Don't try to do it on your own. And I think that's what it means to celebrate this Feast of All Saints. It means coming together to remember those who have already done this. To remember that we're not doing this on our own. That we have examples of people who have persevered through life's obstacles in order to obtain the promise of what Christ offers. We can recognize that in spite of what we feel, in spite of the challenges, we know it's possible because we have seen people who have done it. We know that they have received their reward. We know that they are waiting for us at the finish line. It is possible because it has been done. And when I talk about the people that we recognize, that does include the ones that the church as a whole has recognized as saints. I know I find myself motivated by the examples of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Oscar Romero and Martin Luther King Jr. But it also includes those who are close to us, whose role as saints was known to us, to our communities, and of course to God. Thursday was the anniversary of Pastor Alice's death. I know how much her life and her encouragement meant 
to not only Guardian Angel, but to the whole neighborhood of Remington. We recently lost Kathy Boyer, whose ministry included raising up new leaders into the church, like Vivian, like Rebecca and Nathan, helping them to find their callings and vocations and supporting the work that we do here for Thanksgiving and Christmas and beyond. We have examples of people who have done this, who looked at how hard it was and said, I'm going to do it anyway, and made it all the way through to their reward. And we remember them with gratitude and appreciation. And we keep going with their strength and with each other's strength. Because we can see that our time in this life is short. It's not going to last forever. It will pass. And it is important to us, as it was to them, that we use it well that we take the time that we have to be merciful, to bring peace wherever we can, to suffer for doing what's right, to be loving, and to keep caring no matter what. Revelation promises that we will join them when our time is done. We will be with them in their presence and in the presence of God. We will no longer experience the pain and the hurt and the sadness, but we'll drink deeply of the waters of life. And that's when it will be easy. That's when we'll get to experience the rewards. That's when it won't be challenging anymore. And so we come to the table today. We honor what those who have come before us at the table have done for the lives that they lived, the examples that they set, and the confident hope that they are already enjoying the feast set before them in the kingdom of God. We share in this meal. We are surrounded by their names on these boards. We are surrounded by their presence, appreciating all that they have done for us, celebrating that they are receiving their rewards for not taking the easy path. And we receive the grace of the bread and the wine for ourselves to sustain us when it is difficult, that we too might be an example for all of those who are around us now and for all those who are to come in the future. Amen.